Father, we pray if anyone came in here this morning not knowing Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, more than anything else, we pray that they would come to know Jesus today. They would leave here with a new life, born again by the Holy Spirit. Father, if anyone came in here sick in their body, they would leave healed. If anyone came in here oppressed, depressed, lonely, ready to give up, that they would leave with a renewed hope. Father, if anyone came in here with a financial mountain of debt or maybe not knowing how they're going to pay their bills, Father, we pray that your word would strengthen them today and they would look yes. for the blessing that you have for them because you will make a way. Yes, you will. We thank you. Speak through me as I get out of the way, Lord. My opinions be removed and only your word, your anointing come through. Touch your people. Speak to your people. Speak to each one of your kids and tell them exactly what they need to hear. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise God. How's everybody doing today? Oh, I see some grumpy people. <laughs> look at the person next to you and say, you look great today. You look marvelous. Have you been working out? Because you look great. Look at somebody else and say, something good is coming your way today. <laughs> Woo. Something good. Something great. Something God is coming your way today. Coming your way today, not tomorrow, not next week, today, today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I was talking to a young pastor recently and um, just talking about some of the stuff that he had been going through, um, some of the same stuff that many people go through just being under a teaching or being under a leader, maybe another pastor, maybe another preacher, whatever. But when Sandy was saying, you know, uh, that God, she was speaking, she had a word from God and it was saying to hear God's voice. And what you hear will affect who you are, how you live, how your land is, how your life is, everything. And basically there was some religious attitudes or teachings that were on this person. And it brings you to a place where it's almost like you're living under a curse. Anybody here ever been under a leader or been in a Bible study or, 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 or listened to something and now they realize what they heard was not God. It will affect people. It burns people sometimes. I call them church burnt. People can get church burnt. <laughs> it's not always the leader, though. It could be somebody that greeted you at the door. Or just an attitude that you felt when you went into a certain congregation. We are doing our best. <laughs> To not let that be, let that seep into our church. But it could. It's possible. We have to guard our hearts. We have to guard what we're hearing. We have to guard how we speak to people. 
when someone comes in with sin, which is everybody that comes in, we need to spend less time telling them what they're doing wrong and introducing them to the one who did everything right. Because the one who did everything right became everything wrong so that we could be right in God's eyes. Amen? So when someone comes in and they were smoking outside, the first thing we, should, we shouldn't say to them is you need to quit smoking. But we should say don't put any butts out in the church parking lot. <laughs> but how about can we introduce you to somebody that can free you from that? Can we introduce you to somebody that took that all on on the cross so you could have a new life? You know, Jesus walked in grace and love. But I'll tell you, there's a few incidences where I was like, dang, Jesus. <laughs> you know? Because the one group of people he had a real problem was, was the, were the people that looked like they were God's people. They were religious leaders. Like he didn't mince any words with them. When the woman who had just committed adultery came to him, he didn't even talk to her about that. He said, you're forgiven, now sin no more. That has to be the order of things. You're forgiven, now sin no more. Telling people what they're doing wrong will not stop them from sinning. How many of you started a diet sometime this year? Or thought about it? How many of you actually finished it? <laughs> tomorrow, tomorrow. Starting tomorrow. I can't tell you how many times this year I've said I'm losing 10 pounds this week. And then I saw oatmeal raisin cookie and everything. Or a red, what is that, velvet cake, red velvet cupcake. They're like, it's like, I call them red devil cupcakes. I don't know why. I, I always have, right? You're like, no, it's red velvet. I go, no, that's the devil to me. It's got that white creamy stuff inside. So it's not cream. It tastes like cream cheese vanilla. I, I want to put it on a bagel. <laughs> But Jesus said to them, he said, all too well, in Mark chapter 7, verse 9, all too well you reject the commandment of God that you may keep your own traditions. See, he was saying, look, you guys aren't really doing what the word says. You're making up your own stuff. How many of you know there are churches all over the place that made up a bunch of their own stuff? A bunch of made up stuff. It's not in here. I'm not, pick, I'm not going to pick on any religions or anything right now. I'm not going there. But there's a bunch of made-up stuff. And you see what happens when it's taken to its umpteenth. You know, when Jesus said, if your hand sins to cut it off, some people are doing that literally. Or if you look at a woman lustfully, pluck out your eyes. I was telling the earlier service, if that was true, every man in here would have to be led in by somebody because we'd all be blind. Imagine if all the men were blind here and the women were running things. Be like, at least you'd be like, honey, I need money. I'd be like, okay, here. What was that? She'd say, that was a one. I, it looks like a 50 to me. I don't know. I sh then in verse th 13, he says, making the word of God of no effect through your tradition. At the end of the Bible, it says, don't add anything to this. 
Or it makes, first of all, woe to those that do it. Yes. Second of all, it, it, it takes away the effect of the word of God. You know what makes me excited? That when somebody comes up to me and says, I have a word, and the word is actually what God would say. The word is actually how God would speak to you. Because I've been in situations where someone said I had a word, and, and they were given a microphone, whether I was pastoring the church or not. I was just sitting there, and what came out of that was like, oh, my God. Like, I'm going home to kill myself. <laughs> it was like destruction, damnation. It was like, you know, you know how I know they were wrong? Because I'm still here. Because I've heard words that, like, we're not going to make it to the end of this year. I mean, I, come on. You, you never heard that? You never heard words that didn't come to pass? But in the Christian community, we just let that go. Now, that's a little more dangerous than somebody smoking cigarettes. A lot more dangerous. In Colossians 2, verse 20, it says, Therefore, if you died with Christ from the basic principles of the world... Why, as though living in the world, do you subject yourselves to regulations? Do not touch, do not taste, do not handle, which all concern things which perish with the using, according to the commandments and doctrines of men. These things indeed have an appearance of wisdom in self-imposed religion. You know, it's like, it's like what Jesus brought, and, and, and the church that was started there somehow has become something different. Man has made their own rules, rules that were never there, <laughs> their own self-imposed false humility. There's nothing worse than false humility, amen? And neglected a body but are of no value against the indulgence of the flesh. You can make up as many rules as you want. That's not how you fight sin because you'll always lose. How many of you know that you'll never be good enough but that he was good enough? One of my favorite scriptures is Romans 2.4. It says, do you despise the riches of God's goodness? Do you know there are people that see God as, as somebody who's poor, doesn't have enough? Let me tell you something. There's enough grace. There's enough love for the worst sinner. You're looking at one of them. There's enough the riches of his goodness, would we despise that? Not only for ourselves, but how, for, how about for someone else? How about if someone comes in here where they're all tatted up and, and their ears are hanging behind their head and all this kind of stuff and they're all messed up and, and you look at them and say, oh, no. You look at them and say, oh, God loves that person. There's enough love for every single person that walks through this door. I got nothing against tattoos. Just don't get one. If you have it already, well, what are you going to do? <laughs> Last night at the costume thing, you know, Cinderella came with uh, her toy soldier. And uh, <laughs> did you see that picture? He said he felt like a toy soldier in a uniform. He's like this. Cinderella had a tat. I was like, dang. But you know what? God has enough love and enough goodness for everybody. Amen. Hallelujah. Somebody just went like this. <laughs> 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 
don't despise the riches of his goodness, forbearance, long-suffering, not knowing the goodness of God. It's his goodness that leads you to repentance. The word repentance isn't a Catholic word. It's not a religious word. It's a Greek word, which means meta nous, which means change your mind. Change your mind. How did I get off of cocaine? Years and years of drug abuse. It wasn't because I said, I'm not doing this anymore, honey. Because guess what I did? I did it again and again and again. It was the time that I was driving to do it that I heard God speak to me. Pull over the car. So I pulled over the car. I started crying. And God said this to me. He said, he said, you can do it if you want. Go ahead. You can do it. Go ahead. He said, I'll love you anyway. I love you. I love you anyway. And then he said, you don't have to do it. And I was like, what? You love me anyway, but I don't have to do it. And I said, okay, I won't do it. And I never did it again. Amen. I turned my car around. <laughs> and when I got home, my wife was like, I was like, no, I didn't do it. I didn't do it. God loves me. <laughs> Get off the phone. Oh, pastor, he did it again. Listen, you want to really scare somebody? Say you're calling the pastor. She could have said, I'm calling the FBI. I'm calling the DEA. I would have been, okay, fine. I'm calling the pastor. No, <laughs> call the pastor. When people come to me, they go, my husband did this and my wife did that. I go, call the pastor. I guarantee they go, stop. <laughs> you better be nervous because I'm about to tell you, me, Pastor Kev, Pastor John, and Deacon Courtney want to have a talk with you. You know that's trouble. Don't come back. You hear that? Don't come around here. Let me, I want to share something with you. Some of you have heard it before. Some of this will be new to you, but it's exactly what God told me to, to talk about today. Um, it's about God and hearing the right voice and really having the abundant life that the Holy Spirit was, has been speaking to us about this morning. I heard through Caitlin that we're not alone. That's right, we're not alone. The Holy Spirit's with us. And I heard through Sandy that this is what the Holy Spirit is saying to us. But how many are living what we heard? How many are living with her? And I can tell you, I got saved in the late 80s, and uh, I was not living because I really hadn't heard it. Um, the early uh, church life that we had was basically, we just need to be cleaned up. I mean, you know, we were like dirty fish, my wife and I. Somebody had to clean us up. Now I go fishing. I catch the fish, and I let everybody else clean them up. I'm, you know, I'm <laughs> I just like catching the fish, let everybody else clean them. But we got caught. Started to get our lives cleaned up a little bit. But then Christianity sort of became tasteless to me. I was at a point after 10 years, I was just like, this is it? <laughs> like, oh, it's Sunday, I got to go to church? Really? I was involved. I was teaching. I was getting opportunities to preach. But at that point, it just became like mundane for me. I just, I just was like going through the motions, like just working, trying to please God by what I was doing. But I quickly realized I'll never be good enough. I'll never be able to do enough for him. 
He's holy. And I started to get resentful. I started to get just grumpy. You ever been grumpy? Oh, yeah. oh I see about 20 of you right now. It's just... It's like, why am I at this church? What is he talking about me? I'm not grumpy. This is how I always look. Move me. Yeah. So at the time, we were in transition. Pastor John and his wife were in transition as well. And we had heard about this church. And we, we weren't going to go to this church. But we were like to Pastor John and his wife, Susan. We were like, here, come check out this church thinking that was going to be their church to introduce them because they lived right on the road that went there and everything. So we went on a Thursday night, and um, so we went there, and I was all grumped out. You know when you go into, you just go into a meeting because you're just going? You know what I'm saying? Like some of you came to church just because your parents made you? How you get your teenagers out of bed to bring them to church? I use water gun. Water. Water. I go, come with the Water! Water of the word. Now my kids rush out of the house before me. Well, actually, none of them live home, so. (laughs) Except for Josh, and he's always ready to go to church. But, you know, it was just like, you know, when you're just like, ah, yeah, whatever. So we went. We were going for these guys to introduce them to the church. and, And so then we get there, and then all of a sudden they say, there's a guest speaker. I'm like, Great. You know, like when you bring somebody to some place because you think that pastor's speaking and you get there and you find out it's a guest, it's like, oh, yeah, wonderful. I wonder who they got to come in here. <laughs> some of you came here and there was a guest speaker. You were like, this church is great. And then next week I came. <laughs> and you were like, that church is crazy, man. I'm out of here. Oh, wait, I'm going to stay just to see if he's crazy every week. <laughs> so anyway, we got there. And so this was an evangelist. He was from England. I was like, oh, bloody hell. (laughs) What's coming next, you know? What good comes out of England, you know what I mean? Did you ever go to England? The food's all thick and stuff, and the people are mean. It's just a bad place. That's because they're walking around. Their stomachs are like, oh, my God. Did you ever eat over there? The meal's like shepherd's pie. That just means a pile of dough and junk. Beef Wellington. They take a perfectly good steak and wrap it in junk. And then you're like this all day. You're like, oh, bloody hell. No. <laughs> I just said hell in church. That's right. I'm going to give you a real side thing here with me and my wife. You know, when we're fighting, sometimes arguing, you know how we break it up? I'll just go like this, shut the hell up. And we start cracking up. It works. (laughs) And she says, keep your damn mouth shut. And I'm like, yeah. That means we made up. (laughs) Try it. I'm telling you. Do whatever works. One time we're walking in the church and Pastor Kev was behind us. And Alicia was like fumbling for, to get into the door. And I go, would you shut the hell up? Just to see what Pastor Kevin, he goes, Pastor Kev goes, what the hell are you doing? I was like. <laughs> he was right in the game. He was in the game. I was like, Pastor Kevin, you get it. You get it. 
What kind of church is this? All right. Listen, when you laugh, you can cry. It's a fine line. Getting back to what happened to me at that church service. So, we listened to the message. I barely know what the guy said. It's near the, he, he's at the end of his message. He has an altar call. Out of the 200-some people were there, like 170 of them or something came up. And I was like, oh, wow. All right, God, I'll go up. You want to talk to me? I'll go up. Talk to me, God. Now, there's 100-some people, so I'm in the back. So there's no way I'm letting God talk to me. This evangelist, Pastor John, am I, he's on the far side of the stage. It was a huge stage. He's over there. He walks all the way over this way. He's walking, walking. I'm like, he's not coming near me. Oh, he's, <laughs> you're getting hotter. <laughs> he comes down like this, down like this. I'm like, oh, God. He reaches over, puts his hand on my head. First thing I was thinking, he's messing my hair up. <laughs> Don't you hate when they pray for you and they touch your hair? How many of you? You're like that guy from the Little Rascals. Don't mess with my hair. Raise your hand. Raise your hand so I know. Okay, you see the people? Do not put your hand on top of their head. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about, right? You can just touch me here. You don't need to mess my hair up. It takes me like hours. It's not even my hair. Get off. It's like, and they, they do that. You know what I'm saying? And you don't want that. So he did that. I'm like, get your stinking hands off of me. I'm saying to myself. Next thing he goes, he goes, you're Jonathan. I'm thinking to myself, no, I'm not. <laughs> that, is, that is not a prophecy. You're wrong. It's false prophet. False prophet. <laughs> but <laughs> I wanted to look at my wife. See, I told you. You're Jonathan. No, no. But he went on to read from 1 Samuel 14. He, he didn't read from there. He spoke over me. He spoke specific words that literally Pastor John wrote down or got from the tape. He, you know what he did? He called my house and left it on my answer machine. Pastor John called my house and you left it. You don't, I don't know if you remember. You called my house and you left what he said on my answer machine. So I came home one day. Hit the button. This is Pastor John. Well, he wasn't Pastor John yet. Just heard a voice. You're Jonathan. I'm like, no, I am not. <laughs> he read. I'm telling you, he read the whole thing word for word for what the guy said. And that's when I knew. I got to find out what this is about. I've never heard this before. Who is this Jonathan? Why do they think I'm him? <laughs> First Samuel. Chapter 14, verse 24. So, the men of Israel were distressed that day for Saul had placed the people under oath, saying, Cursed is the man who eats any food till evening before I have taken vengeance on my enemies. So none of the people tasted food. All the people of the land came to a forest, and there was honey on the ground. And when the people had come into the woods, there was the honey dripping, but no one put his hand to his mouth, for the people feared the oath. But Jonathan hadn't heard his father's charge the people with the oath. Therefore, he stretched out the end of the rod that was in his hand and dipped it in the honeycomb. That's where he started with me. 
He said, yeah, Jonathan. Okay, I'll be Jonathan for a second. You stretch out your hand and, and, and dip in the honeycomb and put it to your mouth, and your countenance brightened. Even though the people around you, you know, I'm paraphrasing, aren't doing it, you need to do it. Then one of the people said, your father strictly said this oath, cursed is the man who eats food this day. And the people were faint, but Jonathan said, my father has troubled the land. Look now how my countenance has brightened because I tasted a little of this honey. How much better if the people had eaten freely today of the spoil of their enemies which they found. For now would there not have been a much greater slaughter among the Philistines. I want you to see four quick things from this prophecy that I got. Number one. 1 Samuel 14, 24, religion is a curse. Religion is a curse. I was living under a curse, and I didn't even know it. A curse in the Webster's is words spoken that cast a spell or negative influence over your life. So they're words that produce negativity in your life. And... I realized that I was living under a curse. I didn't really know what the Holy Spirit said this morning. If I would have heard that, I would have said, what do I have to do to get it? If I had heard that, I would say, no, I don't deserve it. If I had heard that, I would say, is that, that's not how God is. He's mad, isn't he? Because any figure of authority in my life, they were always mad. Any of you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. <laughs> Everybody's always mad. <laughs> and you're under madness. <laughs> Um, and so none of the people tasted food, and I was at a point where nothing tasted good about Christianity to me. I was under a curse. I had been listening to something that was a lie, that I had to do this, and I had to do that, and then maybe I was good enough. Then maybe I could go to heaven like, I'm saved. I thought I'm saved now. I thought that's all taken care of. No, but you still got to do some things. You got to do some things. And, you know, God will be mad at you if you don't do some things. Well, I got news for you. I, that puts me in a box because I, I can't, I can't, I can't. So what happens is you get frustrated and you get angry. And then you, eventually, you know what you do? You say, forget it, I ain't doing nothing. And that happens to people in church. It can happen to people in this church where you're doing something every week. Like, I'm always ushering. Why isn't anyone else ushering? <laughs> Why do I have to greet when she doesn't greet all the time? Why should I pick up that garbage? Somebody here must get paid to do that. You get this and you get tainted. And then it, it, it's a curse on your life. And it just doesn't affect your life here. Because the second thing it does is verse 28. It takes away your strength. Look what happened. The people were faint because they listened to the voice that you can't eat today till I get what I want. And look what happens when you're under a leader that's only interested in what they want. Then they're going to put on you what's on them. You know what was on Saul? Always trying to look good. Always trying to do it his own way. Come on now. You know, I, I can make Saul mistakes too. We all can that are in leadership positions. We have to really check ourselves. 
we have to check ourselves, you know, to, to make Saul decisions. Look how Saul treated David. But think about this. Jonathan protected David. He protected his anointing. I love Jonathan. You want to call me Jonathan? Go right ahead. Because I am a Jonathan in this way. I want to see people do what they're called to do. I want to help people to get away from the evil father, the world that's trying to stop them from their calling. Jonathan, who deserved the throne, literally stepped aside to let the man that God wanted in the throne. What a heart this man had. What a heart. And he had just, because Saul was too busy worrying about himself and how he looked, Jonathan was busy taking land. Jonathan had just taken one guy with him, defeated 20-something Philistines. Now he was ready to go again, and his father curses the people and says, you can't eat till I get what I want. And the people were faint. Listen, I'm telling you right now, don't ever let me or anybody else get in the, the way of you taking a little honey. Don't let me or anybody else talk you out of your blessing, talk you out of your healing, talk you out of your marriage, talk you out of anything that God has promised you. Don't let anybody do that. If some leader's telling you, oh, God doesn't do that, you know what I say? All things are possible to him who believes. So as soon as you hear that, you run. You run. Because that's the voice of Saul. Listen, they were faint because they didn't have that taste of the honey. It will sap your strength. I had come to a point that time when that pro I was like ready to quit. I had no strength for anything. And some of us are walking around, we have no strength because we're not hearing the voice of our Father. It will sap your strength. Number three, it will trouble your land. It will trouble your land. And what does that mean? Everybody here know what trouble is? Oh, yeah. So I have to give you a definition of trouble. <laughs> you know what trouble It will trouble your land. It means it will trouble your life. It will trouble your marriage. It will trouble your finances. It will trouble your body. Anybody here body ever been troubled? Yeah. Once you get over 50, that's your life. You get together with a bunch of 55-year-olds. All they're talking about is, did you feel that? Did you? Oh, Lord. You wake up. You're like... What's that pain from? <laughs> it's from the devil. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Everything gets troubled. Your finances get troubled. Your relationships get troubled. Everything. Your marriage can be... Uh, that will cause such trouble if you're hearing the wrong voice. You should be looking at your spouse like, that's a gift from God. Whoa. Everybody go, whoa. Everybody look away from your spouse. Look back and go, whoa. Just try it once. Come on. <laughs> you should be like, wow, I didn't deserve that. Wow. Whoa, 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 whoa. Listen, it's God's goodness. But many times we look at our spouse like, it's a curse. I've been cursed. No, you haven't. You're blessed. I got news for you. Guess who said I do? You. If you didn't want to, you just said, I don't. It's the same, it's the same first word, I. You just add an N-T. I don't. And it's amazing because 
It says that the land was troubled, but in verse 25, we see that it's their land. Verse 25 says, the people of the land, which is their land. God said, I give you a land flows with milk and honey. It's your honey. It's your land. You're my honey. You're my land. But yet we would trouble our own land. We would trouble the promises we have from God. When we hear the wrong voice, we trouble it. Finally, it will keep us from God's best. Look at verse 30. How much better, how much more of a victory would they have had if they would have just ate the honey? As a matter of fact, it says that Jonathan only had a little taste of it. You know, a little taste will take you a long way. When we were in Alaska, they said, listen, if a bear attacks one of your friends and eats anything, like an arm or a leg, get out. You know why? Because once it gets a taste for humans, that's it. They have to kill it. So I was like, if a bear even looks to eat one of my friends, I am out of here. Because you know who the bear gets? Whoever's slower. So Alicia was like, what are you going to do if a bear comes? I said, you'll see my back. <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> because I'll be going to get somebody that's rescue you from the bear. <laughs> I got to get somebody. But the taste, in other words, the taste, when you taste a little bit of God's goodness, then you want it all. Amen? When you taste a little bit. And I was there, and, his, and when he started saying that over me, and I went home, and something was doo-doo-doo-doo, Twilight Zone going on. I hear the Pastor John on my answer machine, like, speaking the word of God. I'm like, God! And studying the word, I said, oh, my God. John, I first looked at it, I was like, Jonathan seems like he's disobedient. What's Jonathan doing? And then Jonathan was like, wait a minute. You taste a little bit of God's goodness. How much more blessed you will be? How much more? prosperous will you be? How much more healthy will you be? How much better would your marriage be? How much better would your ministry be? If you had strength, amen, amen. if you tasted God's goodness in your life. Just recently, I, I was going through something. I couldn't taste. Anybody ever had that experience where you couldn't taste for a long period of time? I came to realize it was because I couldn't smell because smell is so powerful. Did you ever see this Seinfeld? Anybody ever watch Seinfeld? Do you remember when Kramer found those peaches that were so delicious? Remember? What were they called? Kavanaugh peaches. And then how did he lose his taste? From licking envelopes or from, or the pesticide? Oh, so Jerry has to put pesticide in his house because there's bugs and everything. And Kramer goes in there like, Wah! he leaves. Then he goes and buys more peaches. And he's like, Jerry, I can't taste the peaches. They became worthless to him. Here I am. I lost my taste. I, I love to get recipes now. You know, I have some time to cook. You know, this is what we do when you get older. You cook. <laughs> like, guys never cook, like, for the whole life. Then, you know, later on, you cook. You know why? Because your wife ain't going to cook for you anymore. So <laughs> you got to cook something. It's like, honey, what's for dinner? She goes, I don't know. What are you making? Dang. Jeez. This is unbelievable. When the kids would add out, it was food everywhere on their plate. Mine was empty. 
So I'm cook- I made this shrimp thing. I put the garlic sauce base in there. I did the whole nine yards because I like a little spice. Anybody? Just a little spice. Some of you like a lot of spice. You scam me. Anyway, I made it. I was so excited. I couldn't smell it. Coming there to eat, Alicia's like, mmm, that's so good. Mm. I'm like, I can't taste it. Oh, my God. I couldn't taste it. You know what I did? Just got my taste back. I made it again. I ate it all. <laughs> Tasted so good. Did you ever notice your cooking tastes so good to you? Even if somebody else doesn't like it, it's like, that's good. That's good. <laughs> and when you make something, you're always asking, how was it? How was it? Did you like it? You like it? Here, want some more? Here, want a whole pot full? That's how my wife, she makes something. She's like, do you like it? I'm going, yeah, it's good. Yeah! Shovels! Trying to kill me, aren't you? (laughs) But listen, when religion, when religion, when coming to church, when worshiping God, all these different things, when it becomes tasteless to you, you need to say, you need to let his love wash over you. Do you know this morning, right before the second service, I was tested with exactly what I'm talking about right now. I got into this way, and Pastor John, my wife, a few people just came up to me and prayed for me. They knew. They could see. Like, I couldn't taste again. It's like I forgot what I tasted this morning. And then all of a sudden, we were singing, love so deep that washes over me. If there's anything that can change me, it's a, a, a time of worship and people praying for me and worship. Those things, I'm done. I'm cooked. I'm tasting good again. Like I could taste again. I cried. Listen, some of you need to cry. That's tasting. Yes, or some of you need to just be excited and full of joy. That's tasting. Not just, huh. Well, well Pastor Joe's kind of funny. <laughs> no, no, you need to experience God. Let his love wash over you. It's the real deal. We're going to have the worship team come up right now. Listen to me. I I want you to see something here. To share a few more scriptures with you. We're going to close it up right now. Psalm 34, 8. You need to write these scriptures down. Always go to them. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in him, who fears the Lord. You, his saints. How many of you here are saints? I'm not saying you act like a saint. You're a saint because he says you're a saint. How many of you here are a saint? When the saints go marching in, you going? Yes, I'm going. My wife's going to be leading the procession with a flag. (laughs) I'll be trying to get up there. Move out of my way. Why should she get the flag? (laughs) There is no want to those who fear him. The young lions lack and suffer, but those who seek the Lord shall not lack what? Any good thing. Proverbs 24, 13 and 14. These are the scriptures that I took after I got that prophecy in my life. Listen, there was a prophecy spoken over every one of you today. Maybe you need to listen to the tape or watch the broadcast again to hear it. We're on live web TV. How you doing? (laughs) Proverbs 24, 13 and 14. My son, eat honey because it is good. So much of the time we think, well, well, God doesn't want us to have anything good. We're supposed to kill ourselves. Well, go ahead. 
Oh, we're, so, we're supposed to sell everything we have and go up on a mountain and pray. Go ahead. How many people are you going to lead to Jesus while you're up there? Or I need to, imagine if we all made a vow of poverty today. Guess what would happen? We wouldn't be here in two weeks. Hello? It's good. And the honeycomb is sweet to your taste. So shall the knowledge of wisdom be to your soul if you found it. There is a prospect. Listen, how many of you know if there's no prospect in your life that you'll perish? means there's no prospects. There's no prospect for a, for a, a husband or a wife. There's no prospect for a better job. There's no prospect for healing in my marriage. There's no prospect for healing in my body. There's no prospect for a ministry for me to lead or be a part of. There is a prospect if you'll listen. And your hope will not, can I say that again? It will not be cut off. Jonathan's name means Jehovah has given. He has given you a future. He has given you a hope. Be like Jonathan. When everybody else is walking around like just uh, whatever, you dip your staff into the honey and you taste it. It said he only took a little taste and it changed everything. It says his, his eyes brightened. He was able to see. When you taste a little bit of God's goodness, you'll see something you never saw before. You'll see all his goodness. You'll want more of his goodness. You'll live the life acting like he loves you and wants the best for you because how you act is what you will attract. Proverbs 16, 24, pleasant words are like a honeycomb, sweetness to the soul, health to the bones. In other words, God's word, when you hear it, it brings healing into your life. It brings healing into your life. Psalm 119, 103, how sweet are your words to my taste, Lord. How sweet are your words to my taste. After that prophecy came over me, after I started getting into the word and understanding what it was, I was tasting again. I was like, wow, I want more of this. And since that time, I've been seeking more and more and more of his goodness. Because guess how much goodness he has? More than you'll ever find. Oh, the depths of the riches, the wisdom of God, how unsearchable are his ways. He makes it so you don't have it all, so you'll want it all and go for it all, and you'll grow closer to him. I want to tell you, just give you a warning. Here's what happened to Israel from that rule that Saul made. He said, you can't eat his own son. I don't hear that. He ate the honey. So that night, they still hadn't eaten. They came upon the Philistines, what was left of them, defeated them. Then they rushed to all the animals that were alive, slaughtered them, and ate them raw. Slaughtered them and ate them raw. They ate the meat with the blood still in it. I don't have to tell you that that's a sin. <laughs> for a Jew, that's a major sin, but for anybody. Because they were kept from the goodness, so then they went at it from the world. See, if you don't get that God loves you and his goodness in your life, you'll go after it somewhere else. And your fall will be greater. I'm going to tell you something. After I gave up drugs, 10 years in, saved. If that prophecy hadn't come over me, if I hadn't realized God loved me, who knows what I would have done. I might have OD'd. I might want to went back and ate it all. 
That's what they do. That's what self-imposed religion, that's what it does. It said in Second Corinthians, uh, Colossians, it said there's, it has no power over the indulgence of the flesh. But what gives us the power? His goodness, His Spirit in our lives, hearing His voice. Let's bow our heads. I want to make sure everyone here knows Jesus. I also want to remind all you new people after the service, we have our luncheon downstairs. Please, all you new people, you are welcome to that. If you visit today, last week, or last few months, never been to the luncheon, it's for you. But I want to make sure that everyone here knows Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior. So if you would just give me a moment. Now we're going to say a prayer together, right? We're going to speak words. We already just learned about how powerful words are. These could be sweet as honey to you, as they were to the young lady that gave her heart to the Lord this morning. As you speak these words, you hear them from your own mouth. See, you can believe what you say more than what I say. You speak it, you believe it. You could talk yourself into anything. You can pray yourself into salvation this morning just by saying these words from the book of Romans. Father, I know that Jesus is your son. I know he died on the cross for me. He shed his blood that my sins would be forgiven. Father, I've made mistakes, but I turn to you today. I receive your son Jesus. The same way you raised him from the dead, raise me to a new life. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Everybody, your eyes closed, your head bowed right now. This could be your day to start a new life. If you said that prayer, meant it, you want to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior today. If that's you, raise your hand right now. Raise your hand. Come on, raise those hands. I see him. Okay. All right, you can put them all down. Every one of you that raised your hand, stand up where you are. Stand up. Come on. Don't be shy. Just do it. Come on. Just do it. Do it. You can do it. Go ahead. Be a, come on. Come on. All right, come up here real quick. Don't worry. Don't worry. Come on up. You can do it. Come on. Somebody help this young lady. Help this man. Come on. Bring him up. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Hallelujah. This is why we're here. Everyone, please, right now, just reach out your hand, your heart to these people right now. Heavenly Father, we thank you for their honesty. We thank you that they were able to hear your voice. Through all the noise, they heard your voice, and they have responded to your word. We thank you that you will bless them and prosper them and show them your goodness. From this day forward, they are your sons, they are your daughters, they are yours. And no one or nothing can touch them ever again. They are not alone. They are yours. We pray a blessing over them right now in Jesus' name. Amen.